With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Salutations, welcome to another edition of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and with me on this Sunday evening is Brian Renzi. Brian, it is Hall of Fame Induction Sunday, so in that spirit, Mets haven't inducted anyone in a couple years now, not since uh, Mike Piazza in 2013, but if you could induct one former Met into the Mets, or a former person associated with the Mets. It's not just players. Who would you pick? Just one, huh? Well, there's, uh, you know, unfortunately a, a dearth of, of candidates, as we all know, of having long-standing impacts on the team. Uh, we, we've got some guys who are on the outside looking in who had some short bursts of brilliance, like uh, Hojo, say, um, you got some guys who are still playing, like uh, Jose Reyes, um, or of course you got some some uh, people in management who are, are still working for us. That you know the Mets Hall of Fame is pretty like management heavy for whatever reason. So yeah, I mean you could look at one of the Wilpons too. I'm sure, um, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I guess- I'm sure they'll put themselves in at some point. 
one should hope. Um, but yeah, I guess um, I guess I'd go with Hojo. Just fan fan favorite. Put together some incredible numbers. Thirty uh, thirty a couple of times. Um, you know, did everything the Mets ever asked of him. Um, I, I think he he deserves a nod. I think I'm gonna go with uh, Ron Darling. I think about Fonzie. I think Fonzie probably was the, is the next guy on the list, but. You know, Keith is already in. I think we want to get Ronnie in, too. And he's the kind of guy that I think goes into a team Hall of Fame. Just feels like a long-standing association with the team. Of course, a broadcaster now. Pretty good pitcher. I like uh, get Ronnie in. That would be a fun induction ceremony, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. Get, get a little roast action going on. Bring back some of his former teammates. Could be fun. For some strange reason... Uh, I noticed they've, I, I, for, I happened to be at both the Franco and Piazza inductions in 2012 and 2013. It just sort of worked out that way. I didn't really plan it. But uh, I noticed like Ed Charles is one of the guys on sort of the Mets Hall of Fame committee, which I'm sure is a more ceremonial title than anything else. But Ed Charles not actually in the Mets Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the career leaders for war here in, in, in team history and basically if people retire um the only ones who are in the top 10 who are not in the the, the Mets Hall of Fame is Edgardo, Alfonso, Hojo, John Stearns. Yeah that's right Grody is in but uh Stearns is not. He also had the, uh, he unfortunately played for some very bad Mets teams, which I think is probably the issue there. Right. And his numbers aren't going to jump out on you because it was a catcher. So this is episode 130 of Amazing Avenue Audio. We're doing, I guess technically it's not two in one week because it's Sunday. But we'd, uh, fear we'd catch you up to date on recent news that I'm sure you're already well aware of. The Mets have promoted Michael Conforto to the majors. He played this past weekend against the Dodgers, and they also made a trade for Juan Uribe and Kelly Johnson. So we'll round up that news really quickly. We also have an email I forgot to answer on this week's show. I don't know how that happened. We'll remedy that. If you did email into the podcast since our last show, uh, I'm not answering all of them. We'll have another show, I guess, technically later this week, probably after the trade deadline, so it sort of spaces things out nicely, at least in my mind. But we will start with Michael Conforto, now in the majors as we... uh, predicted i don't remember what i said on the show but i'm going to say i predicted they would call him up for the series <laughs> he came up friday they finally mercifully dealed michael kadire and looked pretty good granted he did the bulk of his damage against what is essentially triple a pitching we probably already suspected he could hit triple a pitching but how has the michael conforto experience been for you so far brian I'm loving it. I mean, just already, I got to say, he's vying for best approach on the team. I mean, he looks like a major league hitter. He knows knows what he's trying to do up there. Um, he, he's zoning pitches really well. Um, and, I mean, yeah, like, it, it, it's, I don't know if that's how damning that is to a guy jumps from double A and he's got one of the best approaches on your team already. But that's that's, what, that's the kind of stuff we're needing um, I'm I'm happy with what I'm seeing. Looks really smooth, really confident. Um, you know, got a little swagger out there in his step, both you know on the base pass, fielding a little bit. He's uh, you know had a couple run-ins with some teammates on on calling 
for some balls, but but he looks like he looks like the real deal. And and I mean, I just what I like about his his makeup, I gotta say, is is the confidence. He kind of his body language reminds me a little bit of Lee Mazzilli back in the day. Like I feel like he could be strutting down boardwalk in Coney Island, you know, tomorrow afternoon in a muscle shirt. Um, but yeah, I mean like, and that's, and, and when you really, he does sorry, not yeah. have Lee Mazzilli's body though. <laughs> that, that's true. It's fair enough, but he looks he, more like the guys that would be strolling down Coney Island in a muscle shirt though. <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, I mean like the, the fact is like, um, you know, he's from the Pacific Northwest, which is really, there's kind of a, a, uh, a dearth of, of, of swagger over there. It's, it's something that's kind of looked down upon. And the fact that he's, he's come through his life with, with this uh, sort of swagger, I, I don't know. I think it maybe speaks something about him and, 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 and says that, uh, that this is a guy that you, you want on your team. Because, yeah, I mean, he's definitely in the 99th percentile in sw- swagger as far as, like, Pacific Northwest goes. You are a West Coast correspondent, so I'll take your word for that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know people are you know much more kind of in- introspective, inward looking, and you know not showiness is to to be kind of stamped out uh, on, the, on the most part up here. But uh, like yeah, he's he's definitely got he's got a little pep in his step. Yeah, he's not. I wouldn't necessarily qualify him as a as sort of a flashy player per se. Oh no, but he's uh like I said, it's it's not so much, and you touched on it as far as approach goes not just that his approach is excellent which it is you know he has the the sort of vaunted strike zone control that the front office likes but he just and i said it when i saw him in binghamton and you saw it i think over the past couple days he just takes really good at bats and he knows how to weigh actually work a count he changes his approach based on the count he's comfortable hitting with two strikes yeah zach granke got him with a change up but zach granke's gonna be everybody with that pitch so that kind of stuff doesn't really worry me. And he's hit some balls hard. I think he'll continue to hit some balls hard. Pretty good in left field if he can stop running into people, which hopefully he'll get out of his system now. Um, and sort of the one thing I guess that I don't say it bothers me about this, but and we'll touch on this when we talk about the trade as well. It's just like why didn't they do this two weeks ago? Yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> I guess you you can argue it's the they're trying to juggle forty man roster spots and trying to make some other trades and and see if they can hold him down. But yeah, it is it is a little bit inconceivable that people would thought that he wasn't ready to handle major league pitching. This is the exact same approach that we saw in spring training. You know, like it, this this kind of leads me to believe he could have been you know hitting in the majors a lot earlier than than a couple days ago. Yeah, and look, it's. 12 plate appearances, he's hitting 444, 583, 667. Probably not sustainable, but um, you know, he can be a like I said, I think he can be an average major league hitter the rest of the way, which is of course an upgrade over what the Mets have been rolling out there in recent weeks. Yeah, I'll do drunken noodles. I'll do drunken noodles. Yeah. Or my parents for Sunday dinner while we're recording this. Right on. No, that's, that's a good call. Yeah, I just go with something. Uh, it's, you know, suburban Connecticut. I can't be too adventurous with my Thai food selections. Right on. Right, I was talking about Michael Conforto. 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. With uh, I, I think uh, I think a number you threw out there uh, a couple months back was looking at him as a 260 hitter. Uh, from what I'm seeing, I, I I see him hitting. You know, I'd I'd like to look at 260 as a as a baseline of what he can accomplish. Uh, and if and anything above that's gravy and you know all star quality as far as the Mets concerned. So yeah, I, I I'm a I'm a believer right now, and I and I, I feel like. You know, yeah, he's he's doing a great job up there. He's not trying to do too much. He's not. He's definitely not like taking big cuts or whatever. He, he's hitting balls where they're pitched. Uh, he's shown good situational awareness. Like even taking that hit by pitch today, like w- it was pretty good. I mean, he started to get out of the way, but like s- stiffened and kind of you know made sure he hung in there long enough to get get hit pretty solidly. But you know, like, then you're not gonna call him for not getting out of the way of that. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think he's shown you know good good awareness overall, and just by virtue of hitting league average, obviously that's a that's a big boost for the Mets. Yeah, I wrote him up as a five hit because I just thought he might have some issues with better secondary stuff and lefties in general. I think he still might, but it, it's possible I may have been a little bit low on the hit tool just because the approach is so strong. And he's going to put himself in situations to get good pitches to hit. And he's, you know, he's not afraid to cut loose 2-0, 3-1. He wants to do damage there. And if he's behind, he'll just sort of work a little more opposite field or back up the middle. It's just, like I said, he's a very, it's just professional quality at bats. I mean, he's going to, the league's going to adjust back to him. He's going to go through some struggles. Um, you know, he's going to have a run where he's going to see some tough lefties and strike out a little bit. But I, I think he's pretty much ready to be the everyday left fielder for the rest of this season and going into 2016, which is when it gets interesting. Well, let's hope so. I mean, you know, there's now we've given Terry a lot of toys to play with, and then you, you bring back a couple of guys from the DL, and we'll, we'll see how he uh, operates his carousel out there. But um, I'd, I'd like to think, yeah, you, you leave him out there um, for at least a month now that he's gotten off on the right foot. Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, there's no unless they go out and trade for a big outfield bat. I mean, like a, a Jay Bruce or a Justin Upton or a Carlos Gomez in the next couple of days. In which case, well, against enjoy Vegas, kid. Uh, you know, barring that, you know, it's Kirk Newenheisen taking that spot away from him. Maybe you have to sit him against a couple, couple uh, tough lefties here and there. But outside of that, I'm he's gonna you're gonna sort of live and die with him in the, I think eventually probably the middle of this order. Yeah, I mean if if you, if you want uh, to get as many hits as you can with the runs and scores in position, that's uh, probably a good place to put him. So you alluded to uh, the surplus of options now for Terry Collins. The Mets added Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe. As well as cash considerations, always very important for these Mets. For uh, John Gant and Rob Whalen, completed that trade with the Braves Friday night while I was at the game, which was very annoying because my phone died. I had to like go to the Verizon charging station. They only have one like iPhone Thunderbolt jack, not Thunderbolt, whatever it's called, Lightning uh, plug at the charging station, like per station. They have like, and they have like an iPhone, like an iPod, iPhone four one. Like, who's still? Come on, really? You can't give us two lightning jacks. I mean, you know who owns this team? I mean, just just another way to nickel and dime us to death here. But 
as my phone was dying, the rumor was Rafael Montero and John Gant. Actually, John Grant, who doesn't... Well, I mean, <laughs> there's many John Grants, but none of the Mets farm system um, for the deal. And I was even actually okay with that, just because I think that the idea that they could fill two holes with average-ish, maybe slightly above hitters, was enough of a boon that you mean, you know, giving up Montero's rough, but you know, maybe you trade the future number four that's has mysterious shoulder stiffness that kept him out for three months. But with it being Gant and Whalen, you know, two guys with Gant where you have to sort of squint to see a back end starter and Rob Whalen, who's probably just a upper minors extra arm. They didn't really give a whole lot. And again, it's a rental. Two rentals really for not exactly superstars by any stretch of the imagination but i think the mets got pretty good value here all in all yeah i think this really was a, a sneaky good deal i don't i don't think these guys were on any of our radars right as far as trade targets but uh i mean if you you take a look at the the numbers a little bit i mean i know one uribe has got a, a reputation as free swinger low obp guy you know his career marks just over 300 but the last now he's three years in a row where he's in the 330s um right now he's got his career high uh walk rate going which i don't know what that means if that's sustainable or whatever but like you know he he's definitely shown the the ability to to hit in the in the clutch previously uh, for that World Series Giants team. Uh, he showed it again today. Not not afraid to take his hacks and zero and two. And and that was just a funny thing with him up there zero and two. Like it didn't feel like having other Mets up there at zero and two. Like I I usually give up on a lot of at bats depending on who's up if it if it's zero and two, but. Uribe, I was like, yeah, no, nah, he gets himself into these holes all the time. He'll, uh, he's got as good a chance at a hit now as ever, and and uh, yeah, you gotta love that. You gotta love the the fact that you you know you got a guy with that that kind of confidence and and again a little bit of swagger, something that this team is, is desperately in, in, in need of, and uh, he, he's supplying a little bit right now. Yeah, he gives him a, he gives him a little different look. He's definitely a grip it and rip it guy. Very very good defensive third baseman, as we've seen sort of his two brief appearances at third over the weekend uh, i think it's gonna be tough for collins to keep him away from third uh much longer i think he's got to be the everyday third baseman down the stretch and you just sort of figure out the playing time elsewhere uh, i will say that if, if that had happened a few years ago after a trade like that with him being an impending free agent like Manaya would have had the two-year deal with the vesting option waiting for him to sign <laughs> as he crossed the i wouldn't have crossed home plate like as they came into the dugout after that walk-off hit <laughs> absolutely I, I mean it it's 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 just a you know somebody's gonna bring a little flavor and fun in the the clubhouse and uh you know with it with a big wad of chaw on the side of his mouth you know th- throw back to a little bit of the the grit of the the, the Mets storied past you know it's it's kind of it's kind of cool to, to see a, a veteran up there who yeah looks like he 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 knows what he's doing and d- doesn't really care what the count is and uh, and yeah he's he's a professional hitter that's the that's the bottom that line is, that is the term we generally use I think yes yeah we're 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 um we're bringing up we we brought aboard three professional hitters all of a sudden that's that's you know along with Johnson I, I love the the Johnson move as well um, another guy who's yeah right now giving you above league average production uh as far as weighted runs created is concerned um 
he's he's kind of lived and died by Babib um, over his career, and this is one of the years where he's above league average on Babbitt, but then when he's below, his, his numbers have suffered accordingly. So I don't know what, what that means either, but like if he can you know keep up the... <laughs> You know, making solid contact like he's been, uh, obviously a huge, huge boon to the offense. And all, all we need is to be league average for Christ's sake. I mean, 30, I, mean, I was just going to say, 30, this is the number that tells it all, right? 36 and 5 in games we've scored four runs or more. I mean, that's all we got to do. And, and, we're, and we're like possibly an elite team. This might be enough moves to, to make the, the, the Mets like a, a, a reasonable contender. I do also have fond memories of Kelly Johnson. I believe it was his 2010 season that won me a fantasy baseball championship back when I played fantasy baseball. Like a random 26 home run, 280 from second baseman. I think there was positional flexibility even back then, too. Well, a belated congratulations to you on your championship. Yeah. No one cares about my fantasy team in 2010 or 2015. So how would you... That is so how would you manage playing time going forward? Terry Collins has said, you know, you hit or you're out. Now we'll see if that actually, uh, if he follows through with that. But given you have, you know, Kelly Johnson is kind of playing second base right now, even though he hasn't played second base at all this year. Um, Uribe, more of a natural third baseman. You know, Conforto limited to left field. You've got Murphy, Flores, and Tejada to kind of sort of rotate and shift through. What's your sort of A lineup going forward? Um, well, I mean, there's there's a number of successful teams, right, who rotated guys through a number of positions. Uh, obviously, guys like Zobrist have been parts of a couple of teams that uh, have done this approach, um, and and that's that's the sort of thing you 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 might want to be looking at trying to catch the hot hand. Um, for now, it looks like Collins is, is going to take a very Collins-like approach and, and sit people based on, like, seniorities. <laughs> you know, like, uh, Flores is the first one to, to ride the pine for the, for the minute. I, I, it makes sense to also see what if Johnson's got stuff left in the tank at second. He hasn't been playing there for a couple of years uh, regularly. So that's fine, I guess. But um, I'd, I, would see, I would imagine that Johnson would also... Uh, be playing some some left field and in place of Conforto. Um, I I would really like to see um, guys like Duda get challenged because obviously Johnson can he's athletic enough to play all these other positions. He can play first base, uh, so definitely would like to see if if Duda continues to really you know not do anything. He, I guess he did slug a couple homers last night, but. I'd like to see Johnson maybe cha- put a little heat on him. Um, it's hard to move Tejada right now. Um, I think just because of... he's the only competent shortstop. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so yeah, I guess that's that's leaving you, you Wilmer Flores out to dry a little bit. I guess um, I don't know. It, I mean, yeah, when Nice or somebody who pitches ground balls, you definitely want Tejada at short, but. Maybe some of the more flyball-oriented guys like Syndergaard or whatever, you can maybe you know, sneak Wilmer in at short occasionally. I, I, yeah, I think, I think you're just going to see a rotating cast I don't, uh, for now. I don't think anyone's going to settle on a, a, 
a set lineup. Um, and yeah, I, I, I okay. If I had to say a lineup right now, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, I would probably wow stuff. I mean, I guess it depends against lefties or righties. Uh, but yeah, we'll be there. yeah, I think the problem they're they're going to sort of run into is it would be really nice if Kelly Johnson was right-handed. Well, um, yeah, I've I've heard uh, a number of people mention that, and but they've I've also heard mentioned that his his splits are, are pretty good as far as like against left-handers. Just looking it up real quick, he's career-wise two seventy-three with a one. What was oh, I lost the numbers, but it was above average uh, uh, weighted runs created. I think it was like one hundred five or something like that. So. Um, I mean that's that's totally respectable. I, I feel like that's it, it, of course you're asking Terry to know uh, something about reverse splits or which might be asking a bit much, but conceivably he could be he could be out there spelling Granderson in right against left-handers, allowing uh, Flores some playing time against lefties. Um, Uribe has got no significant splits. That I can tell. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard. I think that he's just gonna. I think Collins is just gonna play the carousel, and uh, Tahada and Duda are probably the guys who are gonna, you know, be playing every day, and then everybody else is kind of moving around, trying to get everybody four or five games a week. Yeah, it just seems like. Uh, if it was right hand, it would be a more obvious sort of platoon setup. They could play him. For second for Murphy, left for Conforto, first base for Duda on occasion, right for Granderson. Now he doesn't have much of a split, but you also have to convince Terry Collins of that. <laughs> we know he's not so great at uh, figuring out handedness and platoon splits and whether or not they actually exist. Other than, I, I don't think he even looks at the numbers on the scoreboard like during games or like I don't think he. I think he's like number phobic or something. Like it's 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 uh, really kind of shocking. So they do have a lot of options now. Do you think they need to make one more? They've talked about maybe getting a bullpen piece, which they need. We'll leave that separately. Do you think they need to go out and get one more bat in the next few days? I mean, it's certainly not going to hurt. Like, I, I was... Uh, um, obviously, we're hearing rumors of them trying to go after Brute, Jay Bruce, um, which would be a great addition, but then that's adding one more piece into a complicated puzzle. Um, and I, I guess it also assuming a trade might ship out a couple of people too. That maybe that was simplified a little bit. Um, yeah, anytime you can upgrade any position by his by a significant amount by you know fifteen twenty percent um, of production, then obviously you you try and do that, and that that would be a big deal for for this team. Yeah, I mean, if you, anytime you can get better players, that's good. <laughs> we still had like you know the bench still isn't amazing um they could still probably use somebody else that can play center field in a pinch if you are going to be rotating guys through um sort of either by you know playing the hot hand or just platoon stuff you know if they want to go out and get carlos gomez as longtime listeners or anyone that's listened to the show this year knows i would be fine with that as well but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen just i don't think they're, uh, I don't see who they're trading. Like they're, they can go out and get sort of like a, a medium type upgrade on a rental, which I think seems to be from the names that are getting bandied about what they're targeting. 
which may, maybe tells you something about what, how how willing they are to commit money a few years out, not that guys like Gomez or, or Bruce are making a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, it, it really would be nice, especially to get somebody who could play center field. Um, I mean, it would, it would help in a, a number of ways, especially if, uh, say, Lagares's arm injury is is as bad as uh, some have speculated that he might need Tommy John. And, you know, even if it's it means missing like the first half of the season or whatever next year that we we could be set up with a, a center fielder or I guess, I guess you could also be looking at Nimmo a little bit for next year, but um, yeah, it would, it would help to have major league quality um, hitting and or fielding. I mean, Lagares just hasn't been himself on either account out there. And yeah, he's, he's, he's been kind of a, a stumbling block offensively. Somebody to push him would be nice. Yeah, and just sort of give you the flexibility to get him that Tommy John surgery end of this year or this offseason and have a plan for 2016 since he's signed to a long-term deal. I don't see them extending necessarily someone like Carlos Gomez. I just really want Carlos Gomez. I think oh, this God, is, yeah. This is, this is well-known at this point in time. Just another guy who adds some some flavor and swagger as well. I, I really, I don't know. I, I you know grew up watching the the '80s Mets, so I, I just can't get enough of that stuff. So like I, you know, when when I see players who, who got it and, and deliver, and um, I, I just I just want some more. So yeah, I'd, I'd love some. I'd love me some Carlos Gomez. Speaking of Carlos Gomez, we have an email about Carlos Gomez, though not specifically about Carlos Gomez. Before we do emails, we do housekeeping. This is Amazing Avenue Audio, episode 130. Amazing Avenue Audio is the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. Find us on the internet at AmazingAvenue.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Or join our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash Amazing Avenue. Find the podcast on iTunes. Just search for Amazing Avenue Audio and you can listen or subscribe right there. I encourage you to do both. I also encourage you to rate and review the podcast. You can also find the podcast on the Stitcher app. Download directly from blogtalkradio.com slash Avenue, Or listen to the embedded player that goes up in the podcast post at Amazing Avenue proper. I'm your host for this abbreviated edition, Jeffrey Paternostro. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. My co-host this week is Brian Renzi. You can find him on Twitter as I search for it quickly. Brian, help me out here. BREN78. I'll memorize it at some point. BREN78. And our email that I forgot this week, but actually fits better here, and would have fit fine this week too. I just forgot it. Uh, it's from Aki. Hi all, I guess this isn't as much a baseball question as it is a sports media question. I'm writing this email after it has come to light the Mets were interested in Justin Upton and Carlos Gomez. But what exactly does showing interest mean in this context, and how does it get reported? I imagine most GMs are interested in Carlos Gomez. He is a very good player. But does this mean Sandy has made a phone call? Or has there been ongoing, consistent dialogue? Does someone from the Mets Bre- slash Brewers front office tell reporters this? Or is it just guessing by the reporter? Thanks. Um, it could be any number of those things. It could be a source with knowledge of the organization's thinking, which could be literally anyone. It could be me. I hear crap on Deep Background all the time. And I might just choose to pass that along to someone. I don't do that. But if I, if I were, I, I might be then adjudicated to be a source with knowledge of the organization's thinking. Uh, I would say, yeah, there's probably been a phone call. Maybe names have been exchanged. I mean, the GMs talk all the time. Send somebody a text. It's really very easy to sort of 
get in touch with these people, especially right around this time of year. It could literally mean anything. It's not guessing by the reporters. They've talked to someone that said the Mets are probably on the Mets side since you're mostly seeing it from Mets reporters. I mean, those are the people I follow on Twitter, so I can't speak of, like, was it Tom Hodricourt or whatever is reporting it to. But it's, you know, someone, they, someone said they're interested in Carlos Gomez and that, you know, that gets you 750 words nowadays, so we could be as far... The, the deal could already be dead. We could be in a holding pattern. They could be taking other offers. There could be constant dialogue. I don't know. I don't think there's any magic to it the kicking the tires as ted berg would say or, or, or due diligence if you like doing their due di- diligence yeah that's what the yankees like to use and and that's it right i mean you can you can be throwing any number of names out there and, and coming back a week later and, and that's that's what i imagine is, is sort of happening like just kind of checking in every so often see oh, you, are you, you budging off your last offer no you know um but uh, obviously, nothing has sounded too terribly heated on the, on the Mets front as far as being on the the, the precipice of, of of acquiring somebody big. But they're they're trying. It sounds like. And I do feel like the Uribe Johnson trade. It didn't come out of nowhere, but it, it materialized very quickly after it was first rumored on Twitter dot com. You know, it wasn't one of those things like it droned on for weeks and weeks, like the Johan Santana deal or the the Dickey trade. So right, these things I, don't always get reported. Like they they could be looking for a setup man tonight, and tomorrow they could have I don't know, Joaquin Benoit or something, and it'd just be a done deal. Sure, I, the the bigger names are probably always going to get more strung out in negotiations, right? As you're going to have more players, and there's involved. more more attention from those name on those names from the media in general, both uh, New York and national. You know, you have like Ken Rosen. At this point, you have like Rosenthal and Morosi and John Heyman talking about who the Mets might be buying, and in addition to just the uh, local guys. Sure, Troy Tulowitzki, Gomez, et al. are you know way more excited to talk about than Yuri Ben Johnson. Although I'm I'm pretty ecstatic about that trade. Yeah, I like the trade as well. It's a they really did not give up as much for it as I would have expected. I mean, they, I kind of gave them a little bit of crap, I think, even in episode 129 and certainly before that for not closing on the reported Dylan G for Juan Uribe trade. But, you know, basically they traded a guy who has a chance to be Dylan G instead of trading actual Dylan G, who may not right. any longer have a chance to be Dylan G. But <laughs> <laughs> however you slice it, um, you know, it's a good deal. It's the kind of... Look, would I... Do I think they need to get another bat yeah probably um but this was a good sort of intermediate step i said the office doesn't have to be great it's just to be better and that's the thing right i mean you get you get darno coming back uh if even if you got like kadire coming off the bench at some point um who knows if we can get anything out of right like there there is still hope within the organization itself that their the offense can be upgraded but obviously and, and i think that's probably will keep sandy from giving up too much uh in the end i you know again i'd be i'd be uh more 
surprised if he actually pulled off a deal than not because I think a lot of people are going to try and push the Mets to give up more than they want. But if they're actually winning in the next couple of weeks, maybe that, that helps their position a little bit. I swear and they won't like just... all my all my at bat messages are someone is a triple short of a cycle now. Apparently, it's Jay Bruce. That's actually topical. By the time you listen to this, you'll know if he has a hit for the cycle or not. Probably not. We're all a triple short of the cycle, really, in life, essentially. That's all I got. Yeah, well, I was. I'm... It was, uh, it was pretty deep for... That sounded more profound in my head, granted. I was drinking Krabby's ginger beer throughout the entire uh, game, so that might be starting to affect my lucidity. No, that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I just gave you the benefit of the doubt there um, and, and assumed it was, it was far deeper than I, I could uh, uh, grasp onto. You probably so. should have just like let it hang in the air and not talked about it further. It would have worked better. <laughs> That's your email for the week. Once again, you can email the podcast at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. Uh, we'll do a, a quick IFK Gothenburg update, because why not? That's what we do. Um, mixed bag this week. They did finish the job against Roklas Slask in the Europa League qualifier. Won 2-0 at home to win 2-0 on aggregate. And go through to round three against... Uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, too, probably. Uh, Belenenses, the Portuguese team from Lisbon, to be on the road, uh, or they'll start with an away game there. I think probably next week or something. Um, but it's a, bit, a little bit of a, uh, it's a bit of a, it's got a little continental podcast listener flavor because our Italian listener Marco is a huge uh, Belenenses fan. He actually tried to get me to include them in the uh, Mets fan guide to picking a. Uh, European soccer team that I wrote a couple years ago after the last, or well, before the, whatever, last fall after the World Cup. It just feels like a couple years ago. It was not a couple years ago. I did not include them. I didn't include IFK Gothenburg either, but here we are. A little bit of a clash of the titans as far as the podcast is concerned. Then they lost, there's only the second loss since we adopted them on their team, but they lost a brutal game this morning to Falkenberg's FF. Just... It was very Swedish out, Brian. Like, I was trying to figure out why they're having trouble on set pieces, and I realized it was just the wind was, like, 40 miles an hour, judging by the trees in the background. Since they were literally playing in a park, as best I could tell. <laughs> they gave uh, up an uh, early goal on a bad, some bad set piece defending. I think they just they hadn't gotten used to the wind yet, and then couldn't make anything out of it. They had the best of the second half, but uh, couldn't score a goal. So we'll see how this plays out. In the next week or so, they could fall from the top of the table, which would be bad. But 0-3-1, or no wins, three draws, and one loss, to be more specific. Uh, coming out of the international break, not good. Yeah, it's sort of uh, you know mirroring the, the Mets limping out of the, the break there a little bit and, and looking a little uncertain. But, you know, both teams at a, at a bit of a crossroads. Yeah, then they just sold their uh, best player. Lost of eBay to Brentford, as we mentioned uh, in our last episode. I, Gustav Engel has taken over as striker, and he's more of their sort of your big classic sort of target man up front as opposed to uh, sort of... Loss of eBay, who's more of like a free-roaming playmaker type. 
sort of wanders around doing whatever he likes. But as of right now, they're still top of the table. Uh, North Shoping could draw even on points with a win. Elfsburg lost, but still has a game in hand. And uh, now you have Jew Garden and uh, Malmo just five points back with uh, a little over half the, a little under, I should say, half the season to go. A little over half the season played. So we'll see how that plays out. All the best of luck to Gothenburg. Come on, you blue and white angels. I guess Anders emailed me. He said there was like a crazy influx of just like shirtless Polish people this week for the... Uh... I imagine it's very cold. I, mean, I assume it's cold in Poland too, even in July, but I imagine Sweden's even colder. I would think. Yeah, it's, it's farther north, so I would think so. That's your IFK Gothenburg update, and that's your abbreviated edition of Mason Avenue Audio for Sunday, I guess. We'll be back later in the week with a more normal-length show, wrapping up the trade deadline, talking about the Mets homestand, which will hopefully be going better by the time we see you again for another edition of Amazing Avenue Audio.